You are listening to audio from the Decidedly Podcast. For more information, find us on Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. What's the farthest you've ever driven for one meal? Like, one at, meal. like at a restaurant meal. You can't say I went and visited I, for the holidays. Yeah, if it was only for the meal, uh, I would say probably not more than an hour and a half. Where was it an hour and a half? Uh, it was over on uh, North Dallas. For, what was it? Sushi. You went to North Dallas for, just for sushi? Well, I mean, with friends. Were you like meeting people that live yeah. there? Yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's. Is a, that a cheat? Is that a cheat? cheat? You went to at friends. You didn't go for the meal. Uh, the 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 farthest I would probably drive just for a restaurant if it was just me and you know the family or something. I wouldn't drive more than an hour. Best food of your life. Best best restaurant you've ever been to. No booze, but it's it's seventy five minutes away. You wouldn't. Probably not. No, I drove an hour and a half. Yes, yeah. yesterday. Just. To eat at a restaurant? Yeah, I had a date and um Oh see okay. Well there is the motivation. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, you're now no. you're cheating on the question. No. A date. No, well, um that's that is not necessarily relevant context, but it makes the story funnier. Okay. Well so, I'll, I'll be the judge of that. She's like, Where do you want to eat? And I was feeling chicken fried steak. So I said, You want to go to Mary's? And oh, geez, that's like she goes, yeah, West this, Texas. It's in Strawn. Holy crap. And I kind of said it as a joke, right? And she goes, oh, yeah, I love Mary. And I was like, oh, I've like mistakenly landed on a great option. And if you've never been to Mary's, I mean, it's a hole in the wall diner. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's very, it's an hour, it's 90 miles west of Fort Worth. That's the place guys yeah. go, they stop and they're out like deer hunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So, but she says, I love it. I love Mary. Like, she didn't say, I love it, but that's a little far. Right. She said, I love it. So she gets us in the car. We're 30 minutes down the road. And she goes, are you going the right way? And I said, yeah. Like, it's pretty straightforward. You just get on I-30 and right. go, go west, west forever. It's yeah, not hard. And we've been on I-30 for 30 minutes. She was like, mm, no, Mary says, Mary <laughs> Mary's is on Tin Top Road. Oh no! We go. Oh. A totally different one. Oh, she goes. Yeah, I was thinking of Mary's. It's like twenty minutes from my house. I go. All right. Well, yeah. Um, buckle up for this adventure. Here's the thing. It worked out. I had chicken fried steak yesterday. I also had it for leftovers for lunch today. She had a good time, or at least she lied to me and said she did. So that's still a win. Um, but it was better and preferable to the. Back and forth. Where do you want to go? Where, I don't know. Where do you, you were want to go? decisive? I was decisive, and we're going to help you if you've had these decisive problems when figuring out where to eat. Learn a little bit more about how to balance that uh, problem that comes up, and the best way to do it is to understand the four temperaments. And our guest Kathleen Edelman is an expert on this. So before we get into who Kathleen is and what she's here to talk about. There's a little piece of context that I want you to have to understand this episode. We're going to be talking a lot about colors and what they mean for how we interact with each other. It is all based on Kathleen's simplified way of understanding our own unique temperament. So there are four temperaments in Kathleen's view. Sanguine or yellow. These people speak the language of people and fun. Cleric or the red, they speak the language of power and control. 
melancholic or blue, speak the language of order and perfection, and phlegmatic or green, speak the language of calm and harmony. So yellow is people and fun, red is power and control, blue is order and perfection, green is calm and harmony. Write that down. If you're listening and you're getting lost, check the show notes because we've got all this info in there. That'll be helpful for your own understanding of our conversation. But Kathleen Edelman is on the show today. She's the author of I Said This, You Heard That. She's a seasoned counselor specializing in temperament-based communication with over three decades of counseling experience and a master's degree in Christian counseling psychology. She has a deep understanding of how to nurture connections in both personal and business environments. Kathleen's approach, firmly rooted in four temperament styles of people, offers an invaluable framework for harmonizing distinct communication styles. So through her work, she empowers individuals, families, and professionals to enhance the relationships so they can make a greater impact, connect with people, and understand people better. So we talked about that. We talked about how to communicate better, how to change your language and tone to meet the needs of the person you're talking to, how to become a better listener. We dove deep on the four temperaments and we talked about how to solve the age-old problem of where to go out to eat. So stick around, learn a little, laugh a little. I'm Sanger. As always, I'm with my dad, Sean Smith, and this is Decidedly. Hey, Kathleen, we like to start off the show with our guest's favorite karaoke song. So you can go ahead and lead us off. What are you talking about? In my own little corner, <laughs> in my own Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nobody ever takes us up on that. You're the first. Yo, I love it. Yeah, well, life experience. <laughs> well, Kathleen, I was excited to have you on the show. I actually got a chance to see you in Orlando at the Kingdom Advisors Conference. You were there and... Uh, gave a great presentation. And I thought, well, I, you know, I think your presentation was titled, I, I said this and you, you heard that, right? And yeah, well, that's the name of the book. I said this, you heard that. Yeah. Well, then that makes sense. And so yeah. the, I thought, you know, <laughs> I say everything right, but my wife hears it differently. Yeah. So I was wondering if you could yeah. help her maybe give me some things to fix her, you know, cause I'm, I'm sure yeah, I'm how can she start hearing better? Yeah. Cause it's yeah. clearly <laughs> on her end. Yeah. And, and, and I, and I hear that a lot, actually. You, well, see, I hear, right. I hear that a lot, place. but it's usually from w- about wives about their husbands. Oh, okay. Well, that's not, they, they have the hearing problem, right? <laughs> but, <laughs> but what's interesting is you come in with the verbiage that I hear all the time. And that is, you know, bring somebody in and fix them, you know, it, right, Kathleen, right. please fix them. Right. And then I end up always, especially if it's children, the parents come in and go, you know, fix them. Like they're they're not doing what I want them to do, fix them. And then I meet the children and they're lovely. And then I have to have the parents come back in and I go, yeah, it's not them, it's you. Like right. we have to sit down and talk to you, right? My father is a uh, is a PhD and he does uh, a lot of counseling or, or psychologist rather. And yeah. he said he had a couple came in one time and they said, you know, our, our son really has a problem. You know, he doesn't, doesn't work. You know, he doesn't want to get a job. You know, he doesn't want to help around the house. Uh, he just, you know, sits around and, you know, just kind of plays video games all, all day. My dad mm-hmm. said, 
It doesn't sound like he has a problem at all. <laughs> hey, it's working for him, right isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's working for him. Why change yeah. it, so, right? So how did you get into counseling? Did you did you grow up sort of always having an interest in psychology and counseling in that kind of field? Yes, I did, but that's not really what jump-started this particular career. One time somebody said to me, you will find your passion in something that breaks your heart. And I really thought about that for a while. And, and again, my commu- my background is communication, but I thought, gosh, I can remember being little and hearing people speak unkindly to each other. And even eight, nine, 10 going, like, why do people have to talk like that to each other? Why can Why can we not just use kind words? And so that's what started it. And then my husband and I lived in California and we were moving to Maryland, and this is going to give my age away, but we were listening to these things what, called What types of things cassettes. were making you think that when you say, mm-hmm. why can't people use kind words? What, what was yeah. happening? They were just yelling at each other or calling each other's name or, or not listening, like okay. really just offensive and just not giving grace to the other person, right? Um, but then I heard these cassette tapes when I was driving. That's why I said it was going to give away my age. Um, At least and they were eight on tracks. <laughs> <laughs> I had those too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, they were on temperament. So I heard that and I thought, I have to know everything I can about temperaments because they have to affect communication. And sure enough, that's, that was 30 plus years ago. And I've been doing this ever since is, is teaching people to communicate through understanding their temperament. And how old were you when you found those tapes? Oh, let's see. Gosh, I or think how long, when how we long ago was that? Oh, almost thirty years ago. Okay. Yeah. So, were you had you um, started your career, or were you in college? What stage I of had, life were you? I was in my late twenties, so I had just gotten married, out of college. You know, we were moving from California yeah, okay. to Maryland, and. Um, you know, I was thinking about just getting into counseling and, and teaching about communication. And um and but it pivoted when I heard that those cassette tapes about temperaments. That so, that is exactly what I knew I wanted to do. Okay. So you were going down the counseling road and, and pursuing mm-hmm. a career and then you found this and you wow, this mm-hmm. is speaking to me. This is so much different than what I thought this career could be. Um yes. all in. I'm all in. That's exactly what happened. What was the biggest shift in your own mindset in that moment? My shift was that now there's going to be a platform to solve that problem of people not understanding each other. Because what I had already learned was most miscommunication is not intentional. Okay. So if it's not intentional, yeah, most people are not here lying to each other. And yeah, and they're not trying necessarily to be unkind. But what I found out was through the four temperaments, each temperament speaks its own language. So hence, I said this, you heard that, you know, if I took the Greek names of the temperaments, sanguine, choleric, melancholy, phlegmatic, and I matched them with colors. So the sanguine's yellow, the choleric's red, the melancholy's blue, phlegmatic is green. So when a blue language, I happen to be blue, when I speak to my husband who's green, 
if I don't understand his language or how he's wired, he 80% of communication lands on the listener. And that's where you get those comments of, I didn't mean it like that. Why are you taking it like that? You're not understanding me. And so when I understood that and I could teach people the, each language, it eliminates that confusion. It eliminates that unintentional miscommunication. And so when, when you look at these these temperaments, how is that different from personality or uh, you know emotions of, at the time? You know those types of things. I guess kind of walk me through those four different temperaments that you're talking about. Your question, we even have to back up a little bit further than that because what I teach is temperament, and temperament is innate. You are born with it. So okay. temperament is like your eye color or your fingerprint. You cannot change it. Personality. So it's instinctive, let's say. It's instinctive, right. Okay. Personality is constantly evolving. Personality is how you're educated. You know, life experience, where you live, you know, what your religion is, your culture, all that is constantly evolving. So temperament is the why. Personality is the what. So even if you... Say you're a firstborn, right? And I'm a firstborn. I'm going to experience being a firstborn child through my blue temperament. If you're a red temperament, you're going to experience being a firstborn through a red temperament. So it's going to look different, right? So that's the first thing we have to understand is temperament and personality are two different things. I remember um, my grandpa Sean's dad saying Mm -hmm. years ago, um, and, and maybe this was like, he's told me this through you. I don't know if I had a direct conversation, but I can re- almost remember the conversation in his voice where we were talking about like, how can I be so different than my siblings? We grew up in the same family. He mm-hmm. goes, you didn't grow up in the same family. <laughs> you grew up with a younger sister. He grew up with an older brother. Like, That's right. <laughs> she right, grew right. up when, when she was born, dad was 35. When you were born, dad was 30 or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. So not only the temperaments, the temperament differences can can impact our own experience. Oh, I know. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know that we were uh, we were different parents to our third child than our first child. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. So your circumstance changes, but you Did know, that, it, was it, that a struggle for you to like kind of use all your good parenting at the beginning? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the time the third comes around, you're just tired. You're just yeah. like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. Sean, how many kids do you have? Three. Okay. Are they all the same? No, no, no. You know, just like not. Sawyer said, you know, very different. I know that we mm-hmm. parented so different with our first child than our than our third because you number one, you don't know, you you don't know yeah. what works, uh, and you're trying to be super parent. And mm-hmm. by the by the time that you know the other ones come along, you're like, well, maybe these other kids can help out. Uh, maybe they, maybe they'll yeah. just learn by osmosis. Uh, but it's you know it's interesting when you look at these instinctual temperaments. Do you find that people rely on those when you say something like, well, that's just instinctual, that's how you're wired, that they'll use that as a crutch? They can, not if they work with me, because I am very adamant about never, ever, ever using your temperament as a weapon or as an excuse. So the people that are a strong red temperament that are extroverts that are on the task side, 
they talk before they think, you know, they can be very domineering almost to the point of being a bully. And for example, if somebody said, hey, you know, why are you coming at me like that? And they go, hey, that's just how I am. I'm just like, I'm just direct. Yeah, yeah, no, that doesn't apply with me. Because what what my whole mission is, is not only to understand how you're wired so that you can be the best authentic version of yourself, but to honor and speak kindly to the person that's standing in front of you. So to be able to pause and not react to what's happening, but to respond to the why, right? And yeah. then every word that you use is a word that you choose. Nobody is putting words in your mouth. So we have to understand the power of words. And are the words we that we're choosing lifting the person up that's standing in front of us? Or are they tearing down? Yeah, it seems a much better much better idea to when you're aware of your own own modes and own temperament to to be extraordinarily cautious and careful instead of shift the blame and the responsibility of being cautious and careful over to someone else like that's right no kathleen you need to be careful about interpreting me the right way you need to just understand better (laughs) who i am and how i no i can i can do the work because if if we live in a world where Every it's everybody else's responsibility as the listener to filter and base what they're hearing on the temperament in front of them. No, we're never going to be successful. Whereas if if I can just change, hey, be mindful of my own. All right, hey, you know that's going to alleviate a lot of pain. That's that's exactly what I want to hear because people like we even started out the conversation. You know, fix them, fix them. We can control no one, zero, but we can yeah. influence everyone. And you're only going to have that influence when when you're speaking words that when a person walks away from you, they go, gosh, I really like that Sanger. He, when I'm around him, I feel good. Like he really understands yeah. me. You I would know? love it if that happened. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be cool if that happened yeah. once. You know what's funny? It was, it actually, hey. it, it, uh, and not a joke. It happened just last week on a phone call. Okay. I've never met this guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about him, but really early on, I could get the sense like this is a very buttoned up, like organized man. Mm-hmm. And um, we were talking about joining a, an organization that I volunteer with. And I was like, I could just tell based on he had no inflection in his voice. Like, you know, I mm-hmm. asked him, you know, hey, how was your day? What are you looking forward to? didn't really give me a lot you know he didn't right. say i'm going to a party tonight yeah woo no nope. he just said you know he was very reserved and yeah. so that's how i talked about the organization it was like this is the structure of our group and this is all this and he ends the call five ten minutes he was mm-hmm. like man i really like you like i'm yeah. excited to meet you one day and yeah. he said it he i may have oversold how he said it like yeah he might have not even been that excited when he said it it might have been yeah. more like <laughs> Well, I, well, I really, I really like you, Sanger, and I think yeah. that we would get along well. Yeah. You know, it, so it, what, is, it is interesting to yeah. know that we that we have ways, we have methodologies of communicating that are inherent. I guess I, I remember talking with with somebody in our organization 
uh, some some time back. And I said, oh, you know, when you meet with these other people, she was on this committee. I said, when you go to the committee, you might want to, you know, tell them this. And I gave her some things to say about an issue they were dealing with. And the response they gave to her, they said, have you been talking to Sean? <laughs> because I guess the language was was too obviously from my perspective or my lens. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't uh, I didn't say, well, you know, there's how you probably would say this. So can you kind of walk through these four temperaments for me just to help the sure the conversation be clear? Well, the one thing you, you do want to know right off the bat is that temperaments have been around for thousands of years. They were first studied by Hippocrates. And he studied how people naturally responded in different situations. And what he found was they fell into four categories. Uh, in about 60 AD, another physician named Gallen named them because back then they thought the temperaments came from the fluid or humor of the body. So sanguine, choleric, melancholy, and phlegmatic are actually names of fluid in the body. Now, um, since then, since science and, and technology and um, different studies have shown that's not the case, but we've kept the Greek names. Again, that's why I matched them with colors. The foundation of temperaments, you, you have to do the four pillars first, and that is which ones are extroverts and which ones are introverts. And when we speak of extrovert and introvert, we're not talking about people that like to be around people and people who don't. We're talking about communication. So the red and the yellow temperament are extroverts. That means their thoughts and emotions go outward. They talk before they think. Blue and green, okay. introverts. I happen to be a blue-green. I think before I talk. We're processors. Our thoughts and emotions go inward. Okay? Okay. Then you have task and people. The red and the blue are task-oriented people. They want to do, they want to get something accomplished, check something off the list. They may even use people as tasks. Where the yellow and the green are people-oriented. They want to know who's going to join. They want to connect. They want a relationship. The more, the merrier. You know, those kinds, that's on the other side. So you first have to find out those things. And then from those things, then we go into the individual or temperaments. And each of them have their okay. own strengths and weaknesses. And what separates me from every other assessment that you've ever seen is what's called the innate needs. Each temperament has their own set of innate needs. And you have been trying to fill these innate needs since you were born. So once we understand the strengths and weaknesses and why we're choosing them, we're choosing them to fill these innate needs. The one thing that all the temperaments share is selfishness. And that's where we have to pause and go, huh, am I filling my innate needs with my strengths? And am I the best version of myself so that I can then be that to whoever I'm speaking to? What do you, what do you mean when you say, am I filling my innate needs with my strengths? So you have a set of strengths and weaknesses. You are constantly throughout the day picking a strength or a weakness. For example, I happen to be a blue temperament. So blue temperaments are analytical, logical, detail-oriented, reserved, or musical, artistic, okay? We can also be critical, judgmental, 
Um, we can be perfectionists, put standards on other people that are too high, right? So as circumstances come in in my day, I have a choice to fill it with a strength or a weakness. And what am I filling? I'm filling the four innate needs of the blue. Safety, sensitivity, support, and space and silence. I Each one has a definition. They're in my books. Um, but you're trying to fill those almost at, not even almost, at a subconscious level. Like when I meet somebody, my first thing is I can either choose to be skeptical or I can choose to be compassionate, but they're both in the safety realm. I will not go into a situation unless I trust the person or I trust my surroundings because I'm blue. So each temperament has that same setup and we're constantly doing that all day long. And is, each is temperament speaking the words. Essentially looking at, the, the, you know, how do I frame my my actions or reactions to basically be considerate of the other person's needs? I mean, is that how I would boil that down? Um, I think where we want to talk about strengths is that in your strengths is your purpose. So you want to know that you're, for example, do either of you know your temperament? Have you done an assessment? I, I can guess, but what I, do you I think haven't it is? done a, an assessment. I, I think it's red. Okay. So the red I think I'm person. probably blue. Okay. So you just heard you and I are the same. Um, the red temperament, independent, driven, goal-oriented, right? Excels in emergencies. You can be very demanding, look very angry. You can almost yeah, get, be a bully on the from playground. Right now, about as you as you describe all these things, I guess yeah. I nailed it on the keep going, uh, Kathleen. Yeah, on the red. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Almost people a bully. don't appreciate my strengths. I think you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> again, it's one of those kind of things that your your innate needs are loyalty, sense of control, appreciation, and credit for work. So, for example. Not all reds want to be in charge, but they can be. You are wired to take charge in any situation because that's how you're wired. Sense of control, though, the definition that I've learned over 30 years is everybody pulling their weight and following the plan. If everybody's pulling their own weight and following the plan, that innate need for you is being filled. But if you were to walk into a room that's chaotic and nobody's doing what they're supposed to do, you're going to fix it, right? You're going to step in and take charge, but you won't do it necessarily in your strengths. You're going to do it with a little bit of anger because somebody's not doing what they're supposed mm, to do. Okay, now I'm now I'm red. <laughs> your no, secondary <laughs> could be red. Each <laughs> temperament, you have a dominant <laughs> and a secondary. So, yeah. But knowing all this is crucial. Because this is where your language comes from. You know, that the strengths and weakness lists in the books are what I call my cheat sheets for you to start learning the language of the other temperaments. Because we speak right out of our temperament. We hear right out of our temperament. So what are some stories of where you've seen this go like really well when people begin to understand the temperance temperaments and the differences between them. And I love that question because the aha moments I have gotten in 30 years 
is why I still do what I do. I have seen marriages change overnight. I have seen parent-children relationships restored. I have seen companies completely turn teams into a successful path. Where I've seen it is when the person takes responsibility, first of all, of their own words, right? But they take the time to understand how to speak to another person. So it's, I just have so many I could tell you where I have gotten, well, I'll tell you the one that just happened like two weeks ago. I had this elderly couple come to my office and they had been married for 52 years. And he was a very strong red and she was a very, um, greens are very kind and um, quiet people. Mm-hmm. And she, he was married to a, and he was even a military man, and he was married to this just lovely green wife. And they had heard me speak somewhere, and they came, and he said to me, I love my wife so much, but after hearing about the temperaments, I realized I could love her better, and I haven't. So help me speak wow. her language. And then they texted you know he said it's already making a difference like so three what days are some in of the things that he was doing what was he doing before or what was he doing after yeah both like what okay. can you help illustrate the difference because sure. i imagine that a lot of reds and greens you tell me if i'm wrong end up together it is the highest percentage of marriages it, but it is the most difficult combination on the board. Yeah. Um, because they are polar opposites. And what they share is weaknesses. They're both stubborn and they're both strong willed. Where the blue and the yellow are also polar opposites, but they share strengths. So they are sensitive and they're creative. So they don't seem to have as much conflict. The red temperament is just very, what I say to them is they have a very high power bar, but usually their edges are very sharp. They they almost talk in a commanding type of tone because they don't like any fluff. So it's just bullet, bullet, bottom line. Okay. There's not a lot of emotion in it, right? The green is innately kind. They're great listeners. They're probably the best leaders of people. They're the most adaptable, okay? So they also, in their weakness, though, have no sense of urgency. So you can already see a problem between the red and the green. He's he's saying to his wife, honey, we're going to go. Get in the car. Get your stuff in the car now. And she gets resentful at the tone of the red. So what does she do? She starts to slow down. Far more of a sin than the the red temperament. For her. Yeah, well. Yeah, for her. That's how reds control by tone and volume. They think if they say it louder and with a tone, people are going to do it more. It actually backfires on them. But the red, or excuse me, the green, when you push them, they're going to dig their heels in and they're going to go slower, right? They're not, they do not like to be spoke to that way. So what they found that what he found out was when he, number one, asked her opinion, because the innate needs of the green are harmony, feeling of worth, lack of stress, and respect. And lack of stress 
means the absence of conflictive or combative words. Respect means to be asked for their thoughts and opinions. He just implemented those two things with his wife, and it has totally changed how she responds to him. See, now she's not reacting and putting her heels in. She's responding and going, yes, I'll have my suitcase packed and at the door in five minutes. Because he said, I would like your opinion on when you think you can have your suitcase packed for our trip. I would like to be gone at four. Do you see? That's a lot different than, hey, we're gone at four. Get your luggage in the car. And her yeah. trying to decide what she wants to take. And now she's feeling the pressure of being pushed. So she slows down. So just tweaking the language and understanding who you're talking to is a game changer. Absolute game changer. That's, in that's really interesting because I, I had always taken a position that, you know, if I was dealing with somebody who is indecisive, that they would appreciate my decisiveness, uh, which turned out not <laughs> to be the never case. They never do. No, no, it turned out not to be the case. Um, you know, and, and so it's that's really interesting to sort of take an approach to, to give the power back to them mm -hmm. and, and allow them, make it easier for them to decide, I guess. Oh, yeah. And here's the thing that probably bothered you was you have to understand what motivates the temperaments to their core, right? So I happen to be married to a green, so I know this. I've been married for 35 years. This is a typical answer from a green. Hey, you want to go out? Where do you want to go to dinner? Anywhere you want. Uh, how about yeah, Mexican? Right. That sounds good. Or would you like a burger? Whatever. I'm good with whatever you pick. Okay. That can send a red temperament into orbit. What? It's how the green, they truly do, don't care. When they do care, they'll say something. But a lot of times, they it really just doesn't matter to them. And Okay. Well, how once about, you understand how, would you solve, that? how would you solve this, where do you want to go out to eat dilemma? Mm -hmm. I'm going to reenact growing up with my parents. Hey, uh, where do you want to go to eat? Oh, I, wherever you want. Just pick something. Uh, how about Mexican? No, I just had Mexican yesterday. Okay, well, where do you want to go? Uh, I mean, wherever. Just wherever. Mm -hmm. Um, pizza? No, that's, I'll, I'll feel bloated. Yeah. So she would say that she doesn't care, and then she would care. Yeah. Well, again, here's the thing. It's giving the space she really doesn't care. If you just got in the car and went to pizza, she would eat, have eaten the pizza. But when you keep putting something in front of somebody, you're not really honoring what they said. She didn't really, she's like, I don't care where we go. All right, we're going to go to pizza. Okay. Eight out of 10 times they would go. They right? don't care enough they, to make a decision. So, if, But if you keep trying to force them to make a decision by getting their seeking their approval, then now you're putting them on their heels because they're having to do what they didn't want to do, which is to decide. Oh, there you go. You're welcome. Well, Absolutely. I'm still unclear as to exactly. how you get around that then. I just answered it. So instead of saying, when when yeah. you ask mom, where do you want to go? And she says, wherever you want, then okay. you should just pick and go, cool. All right. And then you just start, oh, driving. I see what you're you just start driving where you okay, want to go. So pizza it is. Okay. I, I had a buddy who- Instead okay. of asking her, well- Trying to make her make the decision. I had a buddy who came up with a brilliant idea. He said he he would say to his wife, 
You're never going to guess where I'm attacking. No. <laughs> it's a yeah, surprise. Yeah. Get, see if you can guess. And whatever she, the first thing she would say, he could, oh, you guessed it. That's right. That, that's so it. Yeah. Smart. Good. <laughs> and that's actually a fun way to do it. That's a great way to do it um, with children, especially, right? Is to do exactly what you just said. I, or, I think you know, a lot you go, of this oh, your favorites work, are this or that. Yeah, could could work in business. When you look at one of the the core needs, I think for a lot of employees is is to look at having agency over their role, and yeah. and having feeling like they have purpose in the work that they do. And so, I, I think getting somebody involved in the decision making, or at least feeling like they're heard, is it probably goes a long way towards achieving that. Oh, again, game changer. But how you approach an employee that's yellow versus an employee that's blue are totally different because they bring different things to the company and they bring different different leadership styles, different employee styles. The one thing that I get pushed back a lot is, and especially from Reds, is I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be put in a box. Well, that's totally opposite of what I teach because what I teach is that you're uniquely wired. But if somebody walked away and said, oh, Susie's so funny, she's yellow. Oh, Sean's such a good leader. He's red. Oh, Sanger's so detailed. He's blue. Oh, Brad's so kind. He's great. No, uh-uh. I would shut that down so fast because every temperament can be funny. Every temperament can be a good leader. Every temperament can be kind. Every temperament can be detailed, but it's going to come from the core of their temperament and it's going to look different. I really, really stress that, especially in a business thing, because people, oh, the CEO probably read. No, not necessarily. You know, a green could make a great CEO because they innately care about the people that they're leading. And it's going to look a lot different than a CEO that's red. Do you find that certain temperaments gravitate towards certain types of occupations or roles in companies? Where they're going to more so gravitate towards is that extrovert, introvert, task, or people. Okay. Like sales so or you're, analysis, will, for example. Yeah. You're very rarely going to see a yellow or a green that that's in a cubicle by themselves all day. They're just two people connected, right? You're going to um, very rarely see a red or a blue that doesn't want some kind of um, reason behind what they're doing. They have to have a reason, right? Because they want to accomplish something. They want to get something done. I could spend the whole day in a cubicle by myself and I would be absolutely fine. You know, my daughter, she cannot. She's... She has to even go to a coffee shop. She's a graphic designer it, because she works from home. So yeah. she literally has to move herself to where there's people. And that's the total opposite of me. So that's where the grab, what would grab, you know, pull somebody or grab them to be in a certain area, you know, or go towards in a company. What's interesting it, is It doesn't mean that they can't do it all. Sometimes industries change and expectations within the industries change and then the predominant temperament in that role changes. And I think for wealth advisors, um, you know, I'm more attuned to this change than other industries, but 
older advisors tend to very often be red or blue, mm -hmm. but mo seems like mostly red. And mm -hmm. when I go try to interview kids who are studying financial planning in college that are mostly greens and some blue okay. and hardly any reds. And yeah. it, the dynamics have changed. You know, the, the financial prospects are, are different. The, the career path is different for people who are starting now versus started 30 years ago. Um, and the expectations okay. of the work that they're going to be doing when they graduate is different. And so it's kind okay. of lend, it lends itself to different groups. And in our industry, it's a really big problem because a lot of leaders are red and then they okay. want these people to come into their company and be red and have a career path okay. of the uh, th that is similar to yeah. theirs. Meanwhile, everything has changed, including the temperament of this person that you've hired. And they're not, That's exactly they're not cut right. out for it. And I'm telling you that right there, that scenario you just said, um, and I and I train at so many companies that will be the demise of that person's company, right? Exactly what you just said is when we put our expectation from our temperament on another person, one hundred percent of the time you will be disappointed because they're not. If it's a blue temperament, they're not red. They're not going to do it red. They're not going to think red. They don't talk red, right? So it's understanding what that person brings to the table. And before, I think I kind of understand because I've talked to companies that have been around, that red person back in the day was very goal-oriented. They just saw an end goal and they went for it. Now you have this younger generation, the detail of the blue. We don't start something unless we're going to finish it. We don't start anything unless we're going to do it in excellence. That's what blues do. We are very detail-oriented. The green will not do something unless they're interested. So if that person's interested in wealth management, they are going to be a fantastic person in that position because they truly want to do it, right? Yeah. If they don't want to do it, they're, they're not going to be anywhere near the door. If a green doesn't want to do something, they're the hardest to get motivated to do it. Do you find that a lot of leaders will gather around themselves people that are of the same temperament, you end up having a company that has too much, too much overlap of the same type of skill set? Well, when I do see that, though, here's what happens. Um, let's say it's a red and they see the drive of another red. Unless they're a healthy red, that can be a problem. If they're a healthy red, that's somebody who's a dynamic leader worth following. An unhealthy red is a bully. So if you have two unhealthy reds together, it, it could be very volatile. And then there, boom, there goes that part of the company, right? Um, again, an unhealthy red that's looking at a green. Why aren't they moving faster? Why aren't they getting this done? Do they not understand it? And the whole time, the green is moving right on their pace and they're doing exactly what they want to do to be successful and they will be successful. It's just this constant, exactly with the book. I said this, you heard that. There's all this gray area in between. And as we learn the languages of the temperament, we reduce this gray area. So then that red boss knows how to speak to the green to keep them motivated. Or the green boss knows how to bring the red into the decision making 
so that it brings out the best in the red employee. But it's that understanding of the core of the temperaments and then honoring it. You're never going to change somebody to be a different temperament. You're wasting your time. What have you found to be more successful? Or what have you found to lead to more success for businesses? Designing a role, discovering the temperament that would be successful in that role, and then hiring based on that temperament, or hiring based on other non-temperamental qualities, and then adjusting the expectations of that role to fit the temperament? I think you almost have to do both. Because again, you have to, I would hate to see, for example, you might have a a very high-functioning, healthy, yellow person come in there that <laughs> they could be the only yellow on the team in a financial-type situation, right? Um, but they could be so inspiring and so encouraging and bring such a breath of fresh air to that leadership that you might want to go, okay, we our company definitely needs this kind of inspiration, sure. right? And so let's create this position that, is going to help them motivate these other temperaments to feel encouraged to be more of a team, right? Because that's what yellows do. They they can just get the strangers to come together and yeah. all of a sudden they're a big team, right? Well, let's say, you know, I'm hiring for a sales role and mm-hmm. um, yeah, let's just, let's, uh, it's like cold call, door to door, like old school sales. Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine that I would want a red temperament to go do that. They've got to be really driven. They've got to be able to handle rejection. Um, A green is probably going to struggle in that role, right? In the way that I've designed it, if it's that type of thing. You want like a yellow who's like really outgoing. Either My point is, let's say that you have it in your head and you go, Okay. okay, red is the way because of this company, like based on the expectations, we already have seven other salesmen, they're all red. And the comp plan is, you know, designed to like, if I look at the ideal candidate to fit this role, they would probably fall in one of the four, they're going to fall in one of the four temperamental categories. I think they would be red. And then the best candidate happens to be yellow. Do you say, okay, well, we're just going to have to be aware of that. Or do you say, well, we're going to have to customize you know, their career path, customize their comp plan, customize the way we train them so that they can shine in their temperament uniquely. Well, again, I don't think you have to compromise or change the plan. I think you have to honor the design because I would pick a healthy yellow that wants to be in sales that absolutely can knock it out of the park over an unhealthy red that just checks the boxes. And then again, my husband who's a forest green, has been in sales for 36 years. And he's extremely successful because he listens and he can build relationships like nobody's business. Because again, it's how he's wired and it makes him very successful. So again, we really want to be careful of it sounds like what you're saying taking is that position. Yeah, maybe having, if trying to understand the temperaments in the hiring process, Assigning a temperament to a role is probably not helpful. Not, not, you really do have to understand the temperaments, right? I mean, that's the key thing. If the role is exclusively people talking all day, you're going to have to sit with that blue temperament and for a minute or two and explain what they're going to be up against. 
Now, if they're if I'm giving it, I'm I'm a blue. If I'm teaching or giving details all day long, I would probably like that. But if I'm just around a bunch of people in a group and everybody's talking all day long, that's not going to be something for me. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not a small talk person. You know, blues just don't do the little trivial talk. If I had to do that all day long, Sanger, I would be exhausted by the end of the day. But if I feel like I like people will come up to me and they'll go, you must be red. Because I'll be on stage, there'll be 5000 people and they'll go, you must be red. You know, you're you seem like you're in control of this or you're you're authoritative or blah, blah. No, I just know nobody knows the temperaments like I do. And I'm passionate about teaching other people. If I had to get on stage and do improv or something, not happening. Yeah. Not happening. How, how have so, you again, seen it's understanding these, these temperaments impact decision making with people? And what do you mean by that? Are, are there some temperaments that are faster at decision making or more you know, thoughtful or so forth? Okay. So here's the thing. Um, the yellow is going to first and foremost make decisions based on what's going to help the people around them. That that that's just how they work. Yeah. The red has a tendency to make decisions for themselves and they make them quick because they think they're right. Now, I do have to say this, reds are usually right. They're they're very good at at going from A to B very quickly. But they don't have a tendency to ask a lot of questions of other people. And so sometimes when they're wrong, they're really wrong at the demise of people. Like they will barrel right over people. Blues make quick, not quick decisions. I take that back. They have to have all the details to make a good decision. So I will make a decision, but I would probably look at you and go, listen, um, these are the details I need. I'm going to look through these and I'll get back to you tomorrow. Because remember, I said I'm an inward processor. But when you get my decision, you can feel secure that I've went over every single obstacle there could possibly be. The green will make a good decision. But again, they're going to have to think about it. And they're also going to make a decision first and foremost for the benefit of the team or the spouse or the friend over the details of what's happening. They might go, yeah, well, that's a good decision for you. I actually do think, you know, you would be good at that. Here are the things I, I would see as an obstacle for you. So again, even the decision making is going to come from an all, all four different ways. You know, it's interesting. I, I, uh, I've been married 35 years and my wife makes decisions for, based on how other people will be impacted. You know, what kind of pizza are we going to get? Exactly. Well, I don't know. Let's find out what everybody yep. likes. You know, she's very outward in that, in that regard, and which yep. was appealing when we yep. were dating. I was like, well, cause it was all about me. She would make these decisions <laughs> and I was the outward person. Now that we're married, yeah. she makes the decisions based on, she still is consistent. She makes decisions based on that where yes. people, I realize, oh, she's like that all the time. <laughs> so yep. it's not always going to be yep. about me. It's going to be about other people. And I, I had to, I had to get, get reconcile that is that there was a consistency there with how she was making yes. decisions and it was about other people 
and those mm-hmm. other people weren't always going to be me, but it was uh, much to my friend. <laughs> what would you say would be the biggest decision-making tip for people you've got? I, I think the biggest decision-making tip goes into the whole idea of really understanding what communication is. Most people just talk. You can talk by yourself in your closet all day long. I want people to communicate, which means the exchange of thoughts and emotions. And I would even like to have everybody take it a step further and have every word that comes out of your mouth be a gift to the person you're speaking to. So if I'm making a decision that's going to affect my team or my business, I want to be consistent of character in my strengths. I'm going to Try to find all the details. I'm going to be compassionate to my coworkers before I make a decision. Do you see? And if I don't have that, I'm going to go to them and say, hey, Sean, um, you are so good at seeing the end game here. Is there anything else in this decision you would like to add? Your opinion is important to me. Okay. I just spoke completely red to you. Then I'm going to go to Sanger and go, I know you're very detailed. Would you process through this? And if there's anything that you see as an obstacle that would keep us from being successful, could you write that out and give that to me by Tuesday? Do you see? Yeah. He's given, I'm giving him sensitivity. I want him to be understood. I want to give him support. I want you to be, feel like you're appreciated and that I got your back. I'm loyal to you. If we can do that, the decisions are going to be totally different. They're going to be on solid foundation. There won't be any miscommunication going, well, that's not what you said, or you said you were going to do this, or Mm -hmm. I told you that wasn't going to work. And you go, no, you didn't tell me. And the blue's probably going, but I thought it. I just didn't say it because you terrify me, you know. Thanks for being here, Kathleen. Where can people connect with you and the work that you do? Uh, the books are on Amazon, and then they can go to I said this, you heard that dot study, and we speak at events. We love to train companies. Uh, we definitely are all about helping parents and teachers. So all that information is on the websites. Also, every single video I've ever made is free. So you can go to YouTube and Google I said this, you heard that because I want people to hear the message. Because my goal is really everybody taking the time to speak kindly to each other, one word at a time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. My takeaway from talking with Kathleen is that when we look at crafting a message, it's important to take the time to understand the temperament of the audience so that the message is best received by them. I really like what she said about having our words be gifts. My biggest takeaway is that we should not put roles in boxes. Kathleen talked about not putting individuals in boxes. A lot of times we put roles in boxes and say, salespeople should be yellow or red, analysts should be blue, or nurses should be green, whatever it is. And Any individual with their own unique abilities and the way God made them can bring their primary temperament to any role as long as they understand the expectation. You just made a great decision to listen to this episode of Decidedly. 
Make another great decision and leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate your support. It helps others find our community and defeat bad decision-making in their own lives. For more daily decision-making insights, check us out at decidedlypodcast.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Decidedly Podcast. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sanger Smith, and this is Decidedly. Insights, advice, and comments provided by Sean Smith, Sanger Smith, and speakers identified as part of the Decidedly Podcast should not be considered recommendations. Speakers not identified as members of Decidedly are expressing their opinion, and their statements should not be construed as reflecting the views of the Decidedly team. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes, not personalized advice.